up and Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat as the last line of defence and here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and I'm joined as ever by my good friend and fellow Bath fan Tom. Tom, these are getting more and more regular, um, as is the rugby. How are you finding it? Yeah, that was uh, definitely one of the more exciting Wednesday nights um, that I've had, uh, had in a long while, G. Um, yeah, mm. th- thoroughly enjoying it. I'm not sure the um, you know the heart can take much more of it though. So part of me is a bit glad that we're you know we're now going back to kind of the weekends. But um, yeah, re- really really enjoyed it. Yeah, a bit of a weird one. I think when the the schedule came out, Tom, a lot was made of uh, the midweek games, and rightly so because it's something completely new in rugby. Um, it feels a bit weird now that we've had the two scheduled and that's it. Is it something that you can see uh, used in the future, you know, global pandemic aside? I think, yeah, th- th- there's been some discussion on that, hasn't there? Because I think people have, um, for whatever reason, maybe because they're in lockdown, maybe because they kind of um, haven't watched much sport for a while, but it seems like people have really got up for these midweek games. Um, you know, people generally are around in their houses, that kind of thing during the week and are just able to switch on the rugby. Um, and so I think, it, you know, it, it does make it more accessible from from that perspective. I think, you know, going forwards, uh, it'd be difficult to say to, to, you know, to season ticket holders, oh, um, you know, suddenly games aren't on Saturday, but we're playing premiership games in the week. Obviously, people come from, um, you know, various different locations in the country to the rec to, to watch those games. So um, it'd be interesting to see how it plays out. But um, yeah, personally, I, I think I'd um, I'd be all for some, some more midweek rugby. I think particularly when, you know, it's the Six Nations or the Autumn Internationals mm. um, on, on the weekends. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly it. And I think Hugo Monnier wrote an article in The Guardian, Tom, um, saying, suggesting that during the, the the international breaks that there maybe should be more week games. I think, yeah, the, the issue is obviously the season ticket holders, but you'd certainly um, bring a new audience to those games, uh, new rugby fans, which which I'm kind of all for. So, you know, there may be a, a change in those season ticket prices, maybe do a, a weekend season ticket and then sell out the, the, the tickets in the midweek games. But yeah, definitely something I think Premiership Rugby should consider. Um, because I think they've worked well and, and premiership games take such a hit during that that international block that um yeah, I think something that should be considered. But but something that we need to consider, Tom, is that uh Worcester Warriors defeat uh by Bath, uh, the blue, black and white. Um so we're gonna break that game down in full and then we're gonna look ahead briefly uh, to a massive Sunday of rugby where Bath made the trip up the motorway. Uh, to sail to play a huge game in their top four hopes. Um, but let's get into to the game on uh, on last night on Wednesday night um, and a good win, Tom. A key win, especially given the results which went kind of against us earlier on in the day. Um, but a weird win as well, I think. Yes, yeah, it's a strange game all round. And you know, when you when you look at the the scoreboard, the, the final score, forty uh, fifteen. I think even that, though, though sort of comfortable doesn't really tell the the, the the full story. You know, I think both teams really only played for 50 minutes and then the, the game really fizzled out in that last half an hour without any any scores. 
Um, the the two Worcester tries were, were pretty strange as well. The the, the first kind of um, the first interception try when I don't think they'd even touched the ball, um, and and the second from from the kickoff after we'd scored. So you know six tries for for Bath G, and I think you know you're more of a football fan than me. Um, but if there are own goals in football, then they are own tries in in rugby. So you could probably say eight tries for uh, for Bath from that point of view. From that point of view, um, and yeah, just just a, a, a very a very strange, um, open um, at times, you know, probably questionable standard of um, of rugby. Uh, but yeah, not something that we've been used to seeing at the rec, um, particularly for an evening game for 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 a long time. Yeah, I think the fact that it was an evening game, it was a Wednesday game, kind of added to the the almost eerie nature of what was going on. It was such a bizarre game and really right bizarre right from the start. Um, you know, when you're when the first proper meaningful carry of the game um, comes from your fly half taking it from a position where your number eight normally fields it uh, from a kick and crashing into two uh, Worcester Warriors defenders. I think that really set the tone for a game of rugby, which was um, <laughs> kind of gonna 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 uh, have some traits which very few games of rugby have um, and it was all Bath Tom in that first 20 minutes I mean it was all Bath for that first half really uh, uh, and as you say kind of despite that um, Billy Searle intercepted uh, a ball from Jack Walker who was going for two Matavesi uh, and Bath looking kind of despite having so much ball just a bit lazy uh, just lacking any sort of dynamism it looked like uh, on, on a Friday you know <laughs> in a normal week on a Friday you do a captain's run where you just go through unopposed uh, and, and you go through the phases that you would do uh, and it kind of looked like that and Mercer didn't get any carry from from, from the first phase and then yeah Searle in um, completely against the run of play uh, Tom um, immediate response from Bath uh, and Matavesi kind of his up and down night kind of got going again with a, a fantastic cross kick to Cam Redpath unbelievable yeah I think um, yeah, Matavesi. I think that's, that's it's probably one of the most entertaining performances um, I've ever seen. Kind of, you know, for for all the you know the good reasons I think mainly, but also um, yeah, yeah, a couple of shockers, a couple of uh, shocking kicks to goal and that kind of thing. But hugely entertaining, smile on face at all times. I think you know he's fully of the understanding that he's he's not a fly half and he's not he's not a permanent um, fixture in that particular position, um, but giving it his all and um, yeah, that, that cross kick, fantastic kick, uh, really, really well, you know, perfectly weighted. So Redpath could kind of come off his, um, come off his wing. Um, great take. And then, um, yeah, through and who did he, did he, did he score from there? Oh no, he, um, well, you got close, a, didn't he? So and there's a couple Tom, of phases to Glanville yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and McNally carried and then straight well, wide Ellis, Ellis yeah. on the posts. And, you know, a, a good response because I think, you know, a more general point is that yeah, there was a significant golfing class between those two teams um, and we knew that going into the game, to be honest. And I think Worcester knew that and um, yeah, it kind of wasn't a surprise when we started to, to pull away. But, you know, I think a bath of a couple of seasons ago, potentially, would have got a little bit frustrated, a bit jittery, um, you know, having conceded that early try against the run of play, um, and so to respond pretty much straight away as, as we did, um, was, was good to see, um, because, you know, we, we were kind of straight back down there as well, G. So after the, um, what was it? After the Tom Ellis try again, uh, battering the, battering the door down, um, once again, and, um, they just couldn't match us up front at all. Um, and Elliot Stuke, uh, scoring the first of, of his brace of tries, 
um, uh, you know, what was it? I think 19 minutes in or something like that. So to, to, to you know, to respond to the first try and then to go ahead um, mm. straight away after, I think it was a good, good response and shows that, you know, they, yeah, there's confidence in, in, uh, in the team. We're kind of, we are kind of learning how to win these games that we previously might've found a, some way to, to throw away. Yeah, I think even Bath two or three years ago would have struggled to lose uh, against what was a, a desperate Worcester side on the day. And yeah, you're absolutely right. 14-7 on 18 minutes, Tom. Um, but then straight from the kickoff, uh, Zach Mercer dropping the ball uh, and Ed Fido picking it up and, and straight in, you know, three touches of the ball, one from Billy Searle's boot, one from Zach Mercer's uh, arms, and then one from Ed Fido. And it's, it's in the opposite corner. Uh, and, and Worcester's fourth carry uh, of the game on the 19th minute mark. Uh, and it was, they'd scored two tries and it was 12-14. And I've never, ever seen kind of a 20 minutes of rugby so one-sided with one team having so much ball, yet so close. And the other team having scored two tries, it was ridiculous. Yeah, I think I tweeted out, actually. I think we'd had sort of 35 or something carries, um, you know, most of them gained less success. Yeah, and like you say, they'd had, um, they had only those four carries and, um, and it, was, it, was, it, was, it was two tries apiece. So, um, yeah, a, a very strange one. And I think BT cut to the Worcester coach at that point, uh, which is quite amusing. And I think he was trying to find reasons to be positive and, and you know, we're only you know, slightly behind or whatever it was a conversion behind on the scoreboard uh, but I think he was he was kind of lying to himself a bit I think it was um yeah a bit of a a bit of a matter of time I think mm. um once we once we kind of kicked into gear as as we then did and stopped essentially just giving them those those easy tries to run-ins um unopposed um I think it was you know it, it, the writing sort of began yeah. to be on began to be on the wall for Worcester at that point yeah, so the inevitable third try followed for Bath on 30 minutes, line out which, which worked really well all night. And I think BT flashed up that it was the most efficient line out in the Premiership this season of all teams. So, yeah, mm. an aspect of our game which is uh, working really well. Jack Walker crashing over, Matavesi doing some great work as kind of a, a, a step in prop kind of pushing in that mall. Um don't think you're going to get that from Reese Priestland, but certainly a different type. He does. Of fly he, half. I think he, I think Priestland does get involved sometimes actually. I don't think he has as big an impact and as big a weight. Um, yeah, he started going forward when Matavesi got involved. He really did. <laughs> he got his head down. Um, and then the fourth try, Tom, pretty soon after. 17 phases we went through before this try, which was good. Uh, patience shown by um, Chudley and by all of the forwards to kind of keep it in there, understand that we had that dominance up front, which we spoke about. Um, and when it became too easy out wide, the ball went wide to, to Glanville, who continued his fantastic scoring record. Yeah, and I think um, Chudley in general managed the game pretty well. Um, you know, he, he, he kicked effectively. Um, you know, I think he's struggled so far since since the lockdown, and you know, particularly with a direct comparison with with Ben Spencer that he's that he's had to try and contend with. Um, you know, he's probably not painting in the best light, but this was certainly his best game since the since the restart. You know, a couple of kicks, um, one in particular, I remember that just held up in the corner, absolute nightmare for for, for Chris Pennell at fullback, and then again, just kind of managing the game, so realizing that that it was on, you know, clearly our preference when we're close to the line there is just to try and batter the door down with, with picking goes, but realising that it was on um, and, you know, well executed, good pick up from it off his bootlaces from De Glanville um, and his second try in a, in a basket. Actually, great to see him, great to see him go over. 
third, I think, actually. Third in, in three games, I think. They had the one um, against Leicester after the first Matarese break, then the one in the corner against Northampton, and now another one. So, oh, yeah, because yeah. he injured himself, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely an, an eye for Scoring for fun. He is scoring for fun. It's good to see. Like his, uh, like his old man, which I think BT made about 500 references to the fact that Bath had two sons of former players in their uh, 15. Um, but uh, one guy who isn't a son of a former player, as far as I know, Max Clark, making some, some good carries. Uh, uh, one really good carry, which kind of set up that phase play inside the Worcester 10-5 metre line. Um, and I think it was interesting having Max Clark in that team, Tom, because he's he's played so little rugby uh, for for Bath, started so few games, and I think he looked quite good in attack. He carried quite well, um, really strongly. Uh, definitely a different kind of aspect to to to, to the subtlety of Redpath. Um, but because he's played so little rugby, and because he's played you know especially so little rugby with Cam Redpath inside him at twelve, I think at times they were they were kind of caught napping a little bit in defence, um, and this was shown kind of immediately after Bart's bonus point try when Ollie Lawrence, who, who was Worcester's only shining light on the night, uh, stepped back um, and beat both. Redpath and then Clark over chasing on the inside uh, and, and and Lawrence was through into our 22 which led to um, a penalty to Worcester uh, and their final points of the game on the stroke of half time to make it 26-15. Tom any thoughts on, on, on Clark's performance generally? Yeah I think that's about right firstly it's, it's, it's really good to see him back you know he's, he's a young lad and he's really struggled in his career to string together any game time and you know that's that's really not difficult I think I think you're right he's always been talented a uh, talented runner um, with, and, and you know really effective with ball in hands and, and and we've seen him you know I remember a couple of seasons ago the first um, first game we played he had a he had a brace I think we beat um, even Saracens or someone like mm. that and he um, you know he got injured a few weeks later and we never saw what was uh, kind of developing into a really promising season so um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Max Clark and there's loads of potential there I think as you say the area of his game that we know um, is in his stronger suit is his defence and um, he can get a bit flat-footed um, and, and get beat on the outside as he did um, but then again the same point with Chudley really he's getting compared yeah. in that position to someone who is um, as good as anyone really in, in, in the outside channel we said before most difficult place to defend on a rugby field is the 15 channel um, and um, you yeah, know I think with, with a bit more fitness with a bit more kind of match intensity um, and fingers crossed he, he says injury free. Um, you know, I, I'm not unduly concerned, really. Mm, yeah, I think that is interesting. The comparisons with Joseph are harsh, um, but I do think you know, despite those comparisons, I do think that's an area Clark really needs to improve on. I think he needs to form a partnership with Redpath, and um, because it's you know, when JJ, if JJ does go back away with England, uh, I think. Um, it will be it will be then Redpath and Clark well, or Redpath and White. So um, listen to this though. Listen to this though. Eddie Jones was there, wasn't he? Mm, well, I was just going to go on. Yeah. So you just think in the, out of those thirty players, who's he looking at? So Zach Mercer, um, obviously, uh, Zach Mercer completely t- turned it on as usual. Beat thirteen defenders. I think the next the next top in, in the Varsha show was Cam Redpath before. So Mercer just. Um, such a slippery, effective runner, um, and he's also you know so strong as well. Pick and go, pick and go, really effectively. I think you know nothing, nothing he can't can't do really. And great to see him back in his favourite number eight shirt. But outside outside Mercer, you've got to think who who are the players he he's looking at. And I think the other guy that, that really turned it on, and I think we'll come on to him, is Elliot Stook. 
it's clear Jones has had him in, in England squads before and I think clearly likes likes the way he plays and he had a he had a great game. Definitely his best game I would say of the season. It was storming around everywhere, obviously a brace of tries which he will have enjoyed. But then you look at who else and you think, you know, is there potentially a bit of a bolter, um, a bit of a bolter there, Freddie Jones? I think Jones will in in kind of normal fashion want to mix it up a bit and keep the established players on their toes. So I wouldn't be surprised, G. Um, you know, if he's having a close look at someone like Cam Redpath, um, even Tom DeGlamble, someone, um, maybe Jack Walker, for example, some of the, one of the younger guys that he's thinking, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a punt on you. You've got more game time than you probably otherwise would. Um, let's see what you've got when, when we turn up to the next level. So um, maybe that um, we lose both our, our frontline centres to, um, uh, to England. And, and, and what a shame, Freddie Jones, that, that um, Matavesi uh, uh, <laughs> already has international honours elsewhere. Yeah, I was just going to check Matavesi, but obviously he's played loads for Fiji. Um, Eddie must have missed not watching not watching Big Mac. I think Big Mac scored in almost every game Eddie's been to. Um, I would just say, yeah, Red Path, excellent. Um, but I think kind of looking at the opposition, I think Ollie Lawrence is a guy he must have his eyes on as someone who, who's got bags of potential. Um, he's been in around England squads as well. And, and if you're kind of looking at Bolter centre, I think he may be the one to look at. But it was kind of strange to see um, Jones there. Uh, kind of given that there were games probably with with more um, more I guess established. Where would you want? To, where would you want to go? You can go to Coventry and watch Wasps Leicester. You can go yeah. to where is it Salford and watch Sale Saracens, or you can go to a, a sunny evening uh, evening out at the wreck, um, and and you know. Uh, yeah, watch the blue, black, and white. So he probably, he probably doesn't want no to go brainer. to watch Quinn's Irish either. So, oh no, you should have that's right actually. His train must have been cancelled <laughs> or something. Yeah. Um yeah. Dan Norton maybe uh, on the wing for for London Irish getting over another sevens prospect. Um I think Jones will be relieved that uh, uh it's not tonight where there's a round of, of of games with his beloved, clearly beloved Houston Texans playing in the NFL opener tonight uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs, although that does kick off at 1.20 a.m. So give him plenty of time to get back from Bath. Um Elliot Stoop, Tom, you mentioned there, uh, moving into the second half, he scored his second try on 48 minutes. Um, and and I think at this point, it's probably worth um, just kind of questioning how much we learned about Bath last night, if anything, because that was some of the weakest defence I've ever seen from, from a premiership side there from, from Worcester. So porous. Having one guy run out and hand off and, and score was just terrible. Do you think we learned anything from, from, from that Bath performance? Because I personally yeah, I think that it was more Worcester being woeful. But there's, all, there's always done a lot of that. And um, you could... You can you can look at it however optimistically or or not you want. I mean, I saw someone on Twitter saying we've only played one team in form and they beat and uh, you know and they beat us. So um, you you could always I think you could always make that point. I think there's there's always an element of um, of, of both. G, but I think yeah, I, I noted down as well for that try in particular. I think the the fight had kind of gone at that point, and they saw Elliot Stuke really, really wanting that try as he always does, um, absolutely storming that storming down the some the channel. Near, I think it was a centre there or something, and, and a second row. And yeah, they just it, it was a second yeah, row. Just, a professional second row. Like, yeah, I, I I accept that you know you could probably normally say 60-40 one way or the other. That was eighty percent. 
terrible opposition, 20% Bath playing well. I don't think Bath played that well. And Worcester gifted us plenty of opportunities. I yeah, we did, they, they were terrible. We didn't, we didn't need to. We didn't need to, but you, no. can, only play what's, you can only play what's in front of you. And um, you know, we got the job done in fairly emphatic form. So, yeah, of course. And, 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 and didn't make, other than those two, you know, two tries early doors and, and kind of that one... Um, one missed, like kind of missed tackle when they got the clean break, as you said, didn't really make any errors at all. So um, I think you can, as I say, you, you yeah. can only rise to the standard that, that you're up against. Um, and talking about talking about defence, G, we should come on to what was what was you know the, got to be the moment of the match. Definitely, I had me jumping up and down um, uh, uh, when it happened. But yeah, high, high ball went up, rocket the Goonie. Um, made I think it was Callum Black the, their loose head prop come out of the line look, look pretty silly as he just sort of stepped right round and beat him in a phone box um, and then the ball the ball came back um, Matavesi again threw an outrageous dummy that I don't know how no um, one's bought the dummy no one's bought, well in fairness yeah no one bought it this time but he, he <laughs> threw it <laughs> there wasn't there was no Thomas Lavanini this time to to run out to the wing, but it didn't need it because he just boshed again. I think there was I think it was a second row and um and the blindside flanker boshed two uh of, of their forwards, a- absolutely put them on their on their backsides, um kind of little pirouette and spun round and uh and was under the post. Unbelievable try, and gee, I know you know. I know you're not you're not the biggest fan of of Matavesi, particularly when playing at ten. Um, and you know, there's definitely goes ups and downs. But if that had been someone like Rocco Dugouni or uh, Thokanasiga, or can you imagine if that was Big Mac and tries? I don't think we'd ever recover from that. So <laughs> you've got to give credit where credit's due. Unnecessary dummy, but it's powerful man, isn't he? No, it, it was it was fabulous, Tom. It, it was it was incredible, undoubtedly, kind of the moment of the match. It was yeah, one of those moments which you just get off your seat and like, oh my god, what have I just seen? And and you kind of, I think we can now explain why Thomas Lavanini bought the dummy so much. He, he didn't want to try and make the tackle on Latavese. He knows he's got that bosh in his locker. Um, yeah, two huge Fijian sidesteps, Tom. And yeah, mm-hmm. you know, Matavesi had a had a had a great game. You know, he was probably in line for for man of the match, but he he did nothing. So, so you, you normally judge a fly half on on certain measurements, kind of how they control the game, how they distribute, um, and, and how they kind of uh, like get the mix between their forwards and backs right, and how they kind of effectively get their outside backs to play well. And he did none of that well. You know, Cam Redpath was effectively stepping in at fly half when we need to distribute. But then if Man of the Match had gone to Matavesi, no one's complaining. I mean, Nick Mullins, I think, was doing the, the kind of commentary on BT Sport, described him as an ender of worlds and a destroyer of walls. Now, yeah. fantastic. But I don't want my fly half to be described as a, as a destroyer of walls. And, and, and yeah, I think we were lucky that we didn't need a fly half to control the game because um, of the opposition we were playing against. And, and, and it was great. And, and the smile on his face, as I said, you know, when after the the Leicester game, it's just so great to see. Um, but yeah, um, I think I think I think you need to get with the the new age of fly halves. Why on earth? Why on earth do you need to control your outside backs and manage the game when you can sit down to <laughs> the pack and just go over yourself? You know, there's no need. And um, uh, no, yeah, yeah, on a serious point, on a serious point. But you, yeah, you've um, you've got to be adaptable, particularly. Yeah. In, in the circumstances with the you know with the, the the squad and the season how it is and when there's someone stepping in obviously you have to 
um, adapt your game and the players around you have to adapt. So Redpath, for example, has to adapt um, if Matavesi's playing 10 or if Friesen's playing 10. Um, and, and it wasn't, you know, you wouldn't measure him by the standards that you would a, a traditional fly half or, you know, a, a fly half who's played fly half all their careers. But ultimately, again, he was, he was bloody effective. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, maybe this is me being you know, a bit of a romantic getting swept away in it. But I think he's genuinely making Bath rugby fans um, who, who probably have become a bit disillusioned with, with the club and, um, you know, the last few seasons have been disappointing. He's there, he's smile on face, he's all over social media. Um, people are absolutely loving him. Um, and he must be giving the players around him a huge amount of confidence and, and a kind of belief in themselves because he, he seems like an absolute top bloke. So mm. I'm a... Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. I think mm. um, he, he is quickly becoming a fan favourite. I think it's not as apparent because you haven't got people in the stands cheering his name and, and that kind of thing. But, you know, you remember guys guys in the past that have just... Um, uh, what was the number eight called? He used Leroy to carry the ball in. Well, yeah, Leroy Houston, exactly. He yeah. quickly... He was a you know, really yeah. decent operator, but he quickly, just a bit of personality, a smile on face and became a fan favourite. And I think that Josh Matanese is is kind of in that sort of mould as well. Yeah. And you could put him in any position and he'd have a good go. And he may not do it traditionally well, but he'd probably be bloody effective. So, um, yeah, huge, huge, huge props to him. Everything, yeah. He, well, he, well, he nearly, he, was, he he nearly was actually. Prop, he really. nearly was, wasn't it? Last game, <laughs> when he offered to come off in the front row. Huge props to him. Um, huge props to Matavesi. I think that's the name sorted anyway. Um, yeah, I, everything you've said is, is right, Tom. I think particularly the bit about the kind of um, the way he's got the fans talking and the fans kind of enjoying the game. And of course, that's what it's all about. But he's not a fly half and we should go on record to say that. And we need to, uh, you know, we need to get someone, if it's not going to be Preeson, someone else, you know, he's not the long-term option, which I don't think anyone is suggesting. So, yeah, you're right, Tom. And it was good. And I think in the first half, I was maybe being a bit grumpy about it. Um, you know, we're watching the game together, which we rarely do. And, uh, yeah, we, I think in the that's, first half... I was worrying that maybe, you know, the lack of halfback control was going to cost us, but in the end it didn't. And no, and I think, I think the other point to make is as well, that you know, for the rest of the season now, we do have games weekend to weekend. Yeah. So there's not now um, necessarily an issue where he will, um, he'll have to buy kind of the, the, the play, you know, the, uh, the regulations with, with players playing however frequently have to play, have to start at fly half again anyway. Um, so, you know, barring an injury to Preston, you kind of wouldn't expect him to, 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 to start again there. Um, to be honest, but you know, I'm, I'm sure he'll be involved in 23. He may come on and, and play if, if Preston gets a knock or whatever. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I think maybe that, that he may have peaked in terms of, um, uh, playing fly half for Bath, but um, if that's the end of his his Bath career at, at fly half, then um, ten from ten being a pretty good one, yeah. Can't argue, can't argue with with the record. So uh, should we should but, we should we just should we tick off his game then? We'll just yeah, because uh, no, nothing really happened, did it after that? Well, it was actually, pretty, as I say, we watched the game dark. together last night, and then I watched the extended highlights. Uh, just before we recorded the podcast. And yeah, there was no highlight from that Matavesi try to the end of the game. So, um, and I can't really remember anything happened. The only thing of note, Tom, really was um, the, oh, the three course, debutants yeah. coming on. So Bailey, Verdon and, and Juan Schumann. Uh, a word on one of them, if you like. I will talk about Kieran Verdon. As we said on the last um, podcast we did, well, only a couple of days ago now, he's a, he's a big lad. 
and um, at 21, uh, looks looks a, um, a pretty powerful guy. Came on um, in tandem with Jaron Schoeman as well, um, who, you know, old school prop, shorts up, shorts up high, shirt tucked in, no messing about. Like, like to see that. Um, yeah, like to see it. Yeah, just, just smart, just for the occasion. And um, yeah, what I would say is when those boys came on, um, you know, Scrum looked pretty tasty, didn't it? Mm. I mean, Jesus. Was getting the better of his man, to be fair. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think he, um, they were both quite overly enthusiastic. And I think um, a referee was probably more, in, you know, probably thought there'd be more chance of there being a result, would probably have um, potentially pinged the other way a couple of times. For, um, they were just charging in, basically carrying on straight on. But, you know, they, they, they both looked really powerful. Um, and, you know, we should say that that's, that, that's really our fourth pairing of props at the moment forgetting Henry Thomas and Nathan Catt that are still to come in and then the four props that are um, kind of the regular um, the regular is in the 23 so um, again hugely strong in that position um, and yeah I was in, impressed with both those guys how did you, uh, you what did you make of uh, make of Orlando Bailey I'm sure I'm not sure you know viewers probably weren't aware that he was he was playing I think the commentators were, were confused in fairness he does look very much like Cam Redpath but um, uh yeah, yeah. How did you, what do you make of his his Looks very similar. Um, and whilst I was very impressed with Redpath, as I alluded to, you know, we saw very little of Bailey. Kicked okay out of hand from at penalties, um, slightly cleaner strikes than than what we had when Matavesi was kicking them. Um, but ball in hand, he distributed a couple of times, but um, very little we can kind of gauge from that. I think the game had gone, the game had broken down, uh, and yeah, he didn't look out of his depth certainly, but I think. Um, not the jury's still out, but we, we haven't seen nearly enough to kind of make uh, an assessment of him. But great to see him get his debut. The one guy I did think that made a bit of an impact off the bench, Tom, before we wrap this up, was Mike Williams coming on in the lock. I thought he crashed around like he always does uh, and yeah. did kind of bring something in, in that second half to the game. Um, yeah, a bizarre game, Tom. I mean, Worcester scored 15 points and did absolutely nothing. And then the game kind of evened out in the second half and, and they were just unable to get any points. I mean, I think maybe we should have seen this coming. So Worcester, since the restart in the first half, have lost 79 to 102. Um, so kind of only 79 to 102, given how bad their record is. And in the second half, they've lost 17 to 123. Um, so a team really struggling in the second half and, and really struggled to kind of create anything um, apart from those two big lapses. Um, from Bath, yeah, key victory, as I said, given the other results, um, kind of, from me, outstanding, apart from the guys we've already mentioned, so Stuke and Mercer, I think Ellis, who got man of the match, was outstanding. Uh, 21 tackles, I thought, I think he made a couple of turnovers, um, so a really good performance from him. Um, and I think Zach Mercer, who we've already mentioned, and you said that the stats from 23 carries, 13 defenders beaten. Um, you know, if it was someone else, we'd be raving about that. Kind of, that's what we're used to with Mercer. And we're yeah. so lucky to kind of have that, I think. Um, so, yeah, definitely uh, worth mentioning him, Tom. Anyone anyone else that, that you mentioned? I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll phrase it like this. So of that team, uh, Tom, of that 15, excluding Redpath and McNally, say... Um, has anyone given Hooper a headache in terms of selection ahead of sale on Sunday? Um, so you said apart from Redpath and McNally? Yeah, I think apart from one of the locks and then probably Redpath, who probably in the best 15. Has, has anyone else kind of made a selection difficult? I guess Rocket Gooney as well, he'd be in, wouldn't he? 
Yeah, um, so maybe Rocket Union or Hamer Webb. Thought yeah, Hamer Webb played well. Yeah, and we're much, much improved. Um, I don't think so, really. But that says, I think, more about um, just the kind of the guys that really are established. So the, the guy that, for me, at the moment is um, tearing up trees, going a little bit unnoticed, but I think is already a real force. And I think, um, uh, you know, if he can stay injury-free, he, he's going to be... Um, he's going to continue to improve hugely and be a massive part of our, our team season to come. And that's Miles Reed. Um, I think, mm. again, he just offers something that I don't think anyone else does in our squad. And, and that's his, not only I think his, his jacking ability you know, and a couple of really smart turnovers again, but he also always, he always seems to be the first one at the ruck. And so I think, you know, Worcester weren't putting up much of a, much of a fight, but I think he, he does always seem to be first there, clearing out. Um, and I think that was evidenced by, the amount of quick ball that that, that we did have, um, so yeah, he he's one for me that um, I've always been a massive fan of him since he since he broke through, and I, I think that back row in 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 totality played really well. But then obviously you've got Sam Underhill, so um, mm. you know he that's not going to be a selection headache. Um, but I think for that that back row spot G on the bench, I think um, that's a bit of a headache, and it will depend the sort of game plan that Hooper wants but Miles Reed is, is massively massively putting his hand up um, to, to try and get in that kind of um, uh, that, that number 20 shirt I think so, so if we look ahead then Tom to the sale game on Sunday a huge game of rugby huge day of rugby that we're going to come on to but who is the, the, the your 6, 7 and 8 for, for this game because you say you know no, no Reed but then we've said that the back row isn't balanced if you go Mercer Underhill Faletau so what, what would you go for so I go. I'd go for um, Tom Ellis, Sam Underhill, Zach Mercer. Oh, huge! Mm. And I, I'm, you know, I, I don't doubt that Falatel's got the minerals to, to to get back into that that shirt. You know, he's we know the quality that he is, but I think um, he also needs a bit of a um, you know a bit of a kick up the backside to say, look, I don't think you were quite performing at the level that that we'd expect. If there's an underlying reason for that that we're not aware of, then that needs to be addressed. But um, I think you say to him, we'll put you on the bench. Um, um, you know, obviously Ellis, um, I guess then you're a flanker down, aren't you? But I guess if you've got McNally playing, he could potentially go across to six. I don't know. I, I, th- I just think that Mercer should be given the opportunity after that performance um, and Falatau should be told, look, mm. show us why he should be in that starting number eight shirt. And then, I, I, yeah, as you say, I think that also addresses the, the issue, of, issue of balance there as well. So is there enough? Because I think I'd be I'd be tempted to go with one of Josh Bayliss or, or Miles Reed in that starting seven shirt because I don't think Underhill is quite proving himself to be that out and out seven we need in terms of if you play kind of an abrasive six and a carrying eight is is Underhill enough of a threat over the ball to to kind of um, to you were saying that you were saying that, doesn't, you were saying that doesn't matter on you last week no. yeah <laughs> maybe well you see play Underhill six then maybe Reed and Mercer. Yeah, I think I still have Bayliss over cool. myself. Um, but yeah, I think I prob- that's what I'd probably look at, yeah. So we, we, we all see. Interesting discussion. Get in touch with us across socials with what your back row uh, would be for the sale game. Um, but as I say, a huge Sunday of rugby. So obviously Bath, as I've mentioned loads of times, travelling up to the AJ Bell and Bristol uh, travelling to the Rico to play Wasps. So four points separating those four teams in in those two matches. Um, yeah, a, a huge, a huge weekend, Tom, in our top four hopes. 
Absolutely. And, you know, th- this is, um, as I said, when we kind of previewed these pictures, I think this is the, um, you know, the sternest test Squeaky um, time. In, in my view. Yeah. And I, and, and this is, this is, this is going to be difficult for, I think for, for a number of reasons, I think firstly, just going up to, um, yeah, up to, up to Solfu, we haven't, um, we haven't got a good record there. I think it is obviously, um, you know, the, the, the furthest away fixture that, 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 that will play. Um, so probably imagine go up on the, go up on the Saturday, uh, so you know, it's only really a couple of games, a couple of days recovery. Sorry, so they're not really going to get out to out to train at all. Um, I, I wouldn't have thought. And then I think just the the way Sale plays means that we need to be very, um, you know, very much on our game for, um, for for Sunday. So just watching some of the game against Saris, and I think the the general way that Sale like to play. So they're very very um, strong defensively. So held out Saris. Um, who are who, you know battering down the line, usually so clinical in that area, held out Saris really effectively. Um, uh, looked just looked a difficult side to, to to penetrate. And I think the other thing is they're they're a bit of a menace at the breakdown. Mm. Obviously, having having both Curry brothers, um, Van der Merwe as well, the the hooker who I think um, is again very very good at the good at the breakdown. And I think if if I was Steve Diamond and I was I was looking at how to how to beat Bath, you kind of would go with that mould that that was followed. Um, and that's just try and disrupt us, try and slow the ball down at the breakdown, try and win those turnovers and penalties, um, and then and then pin us back, um, and and I guess try and use their equally you know big set of forwards to try and kind of more lessen and win that that arm wrestle in the right areas of the game, in the right areas of the of, of the pitch. So yeah, I'm I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a difficult run out to be honest. Mm, I think so, but I, I think it's you know it's almost quite exciting because this is a real. Uh, this will give us a real good idea, I think, of where we are. I, I still don't think we've necessarily had that game yet where we've really got a bearing on exactly where we are. And I think this is going to be really difficult. But if you look at some of the matchups across the uh, across the, the park, so if you look at Diego uh, against Yules, for example, you know, uh, 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 Will Griff John against Abano. You know, these are huge matchups, guys. We've seen Curry, Curry Underhill. Curry Underhill, Tuolangi, Joseph, you know, uh, Priestland, Dupree, De Klerk, uh, Spencer. Like, these are all guys that we've sung praises of. And they're going up against guys who are considered to be some of the best in their positions, if not in the Premiership, in the world. So I do think it's going to be, you know, a real tester of exactly where we are. And so for that, I think. You know, I'm, I'm welcoming kind of the test. It's going to be very tough, especially away, as you've said, traditionally extremely good at home. So, so lost to Gloucester early in the season at home in the Premiership and then got battered by Exeter in that kind of, I think it was the second game since the resumption at home. So they are, they are kind of fallible. And I think, you know, when they put out their strongest team, which they will do because they rested against Saracens um, and it's probably their most difficult game with the running. So to come for sale, they've got Harlequins and Worcester. So, you know, it's almost a winning in for them, I think. So they're going to put mm. their strongest team out. So it's going to be a fascinating battle. And, and I think Bath are going to put their strongest team out. And yeah, it will be it will be good to see where we are. Yeah, and, and you know, obviously the yeah, fingers crossed that Ben Spencer and, and, and Anthony Watson pull up okay to, to play on Sunday, I think. You know, if, if either one of those guys are missing, you know, you've got to say particularly Spencer. Um, you know, the game does shift kind of, I would say, quite materially in in their favour. Um, they've got you know such a potent scrum half in in, in Claire. So, yeah, yeah, it, it's going to be a difficult test, and it's going to be a you know very different test to uh, the, you know that we've come across so far. No side so far 
Um, not, not even Wasps have really, I think, won the physical battle um, against us. Um, and Sale, I think, uh, are going to look to do that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, bring it on. And, you know, there, there should be confidence. Um, as Stuart Hooper was, was speaking really confidently after that Worcester game. You know, we've, we've scored 81 points this week um, in, in the various <laughs> games. So, you know, there aren't any issues in getting over the trial. You can say what you want about the opposition and, and that might be right. But ultimately, it does, it does breed confidence um, and we should go, um, go, go up to, go up to uh, the AJ Bell, I think, with, with a great deal of confidence. And if we can pull that one out of the bag, um, you know, you start, to, you start to feel like it's, it's very, very much on. What's on? Well, top four. Oh, top four, yeah. If we can pull this one out of the bag, top four is definitely on. I think you know, I'll start doing the premiership in it's in, in its entire in its entirety will be on. Um, I think it'll be it'll be such a great result. I think what you say about the getting over the line is is really kind of important. And I just saw some stats, Tom, about so the the pre-COVID break uh, in thirteen rounds, Bath had scored twenty-four tries, so that's one point eight tries uh, per match with one bonus point. And then kind of since the COVID break, since the restart in six rounds, we scored 25 tries. So one more than we scored in the seven, in the 13 rounds previously. So seven more rounds, uh, seven fewer rounds, sorry, but one more try. So that's 4.2 tries per match and four out of four uh, bonus points uh, in the matches we've won. So, um, yeah, th- those stats really do show kind of the, the, the development in our game. But I do think mm. this will be a real test of that development. Yeah, cool. Um, nothing more for you. Great. Uh, so thanks for joining me, uh, Tom. I think we'll be back after that sale game on the Sunday, probably probably in our traditional slot um, of Monday evening uh, to review that that game at the AJ Bell. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, please do, as ever, get in touch with us with all of your thoughts. Um, and please do subscribe uh, in your feed to get every podcast we do, each one of these more regular podcasts we do into your feeds. And but most importantly this week, please do share the podcast um, with your friends. If you are enjoying it uh, and you think that uh, you've got, you know, Bath friends, uh, Bath fan friends in your life, then please do share it with them so they can join in the discussion. Um, uh, and yeah, keep all the Bath fans sticking together because it's starting to look like uh, we're on a bit of an upswing. Um, But thank you for listening. Join us again and stick behind the boys through thick and thin.